0: been amazed by it. As soon as I got into this thing, I was like, this is gonna like just make my life so much easier. I think the biggest thing for me is research. The amount of time I take digging into Google to try to figure out stats and data, and now I ask a question and then boom, it's literally saved me like so many hours. I had the first same impression as
1: you, man. Like, how is this really different than me just doing a Google search? And I've been playing around with it myself, like who hasn't? And there's definitely times that uh, you can leverage ChatGPT,
0: that Google is useless. It looks at your calendar and knows what you're up to, right? It could f- and hear you talking, like this whole conversation knows everything you talked about on the day.
2: It's actually scary a
0: little bit. <laughs> it is, especially when it comes to you know your data leaking. There's gonna be pros
1: and cons to this, just like there are any pros and cons to any freaking tool out there in the world.
0: All right, so we are starting this episode off by the names that we were called when we were children <laughs> yarrow has yet yet to share we already shared ours but yarrow i uh, want to kick it off what was the name that you were bullied with
2: well i honestly my name was already weird Uh i didn't have any nicknames Besides, I had a friend named Bo. So we were always Bo and Yarrow, which honestly... So. like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so
0: good. <laughs> Andrew, are you going to share yours?
1: All right, I'm next. I was Andrew Nerdock.
2: You're always a nerd, then, basically.
1: I've always been a nerd, yeah, big time.
2: You don't look like one, though, Andrew. There's something wrong with the. a contrast here. You need. I don't know. Uh,
1: I don't know what a nerd looks like, but I was always into, uh, you know, Batman, Superman, Marvel, DC. You, you name it, I was into it. So I was the nerd. Yeah.
2: Which is cool now, right? Like if you were in school now, that'd be like everyone. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I was teased for it back in those days for sure. My son asked me what a geek was the other, like, last week, and I just said like a really cool, smart kid. He's like, oh, <laughs> good answer, nice. good answer, that's a, great that's answer, perfect dad answer. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, if anyone from my high school is gonna hear this, at one school I was uh, Matt fan, but then as I grew up in the high school, I got a better one. It was Asta. Did you have any fluctuant uh, uh, problems? Did yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a trend was here, there Matt. Some fluctuants. Uh, <laughs> the, okay, no, no, the fan guy was like bullying me, right? The Ast- guy was like, man, it's not bad. Like, that's the s***. <laughs> <shit. That's the laughs> He's like, it's not bad. And I was like, you know what? Uh, you know, I'll take it. i was like, that's I own yeah. that. <laughs> so
2: it's still a mouthful though. I don't know if I would like, most kids can't even say that, right? There's so many words in that.
0: Guys, what's even better on Asafan is actually not even my real last name. Like everyone who migrated to Canada came at different times and nobody knew how to write or speak English, right? So they would just say, the word, the name. And so all my family has different spellings of this Asifan, right? Nobody really knows the right spelling. But this is the best part. My background is, is Middle Eastern, right? My family's from Iraq, right? I'm, I'm Assyrian, right? So my family's Catholic from, from Iraq, right? We migrated. So Assyria was, uh, you know, like the north of Egypt sort of thing, right? My dad's real maiden name is Baghdadi. Baghdadi? Yeah, because we, you know, they were from Baghdad. I don't know where Baghdadi came from, right? But I always thought like if I would ever like become a rapper or something like that, I could have been like Daddy Baghdadi or something like that. And I was just, I just think about how my life would have been so much more different if my last name was Baghdadi.
2: So there's some good cadence there. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Like I kind of like Baghdadi more than than Astafan, but I would never be able to hide where if you hear someone's from, last name is Baghdadi, you're like we you from Baghdad? Like, yeah. But now nobody knows where I'm from. Nobody knows like. No, nobody's gonna guess that I'm like Iraqi.
2: They must guess like Greek or Italian. Something like that, I get right? Greek.
0: Yeah. I get Greek, Italian. Uh, when I was in Mexico, they just thought I was Mexican. You know, no one really knows. I get Portuguese oh. a lot.
2: And Andrew, you get some of these too. Are you? Are you Italian?
0: Yeah, I get all of that. Well, I used to work in cruise ships
1: back in the day, so I was always super tanned. And I, at one point, I remember I had this this goatee, and oh yeah, I would get all of those. And then uh, one day, and and cruise ships, when you have your name badge. The country you're from is on your name badge, and so I would always you know say, "No, sorry, I'm actually from Canada, and I would always point to my name badge and one time it backfired on me because the guy was like, "Oh bojou and I'm like, Vancouver, other side, man
2: <laughs> I've been always trying to get the um uh, the one name going like I always didn't like it. my last name Starak, and it's kind of you know Eastern European, it's a lot of words Yarrow Starak, so I like the idea of just being Madonna or Oprah or drake or just yarrow and then of course as an entrepreneur i'm like i could see the you know the shampoo brand yarrow (laughs) the chocolate bar yarrow you know it just was this I still have that kind of in my retirement. I'll I'll create something physical and put my name on it. But it's super egotistical when you do that, you know, like is a unique name and there is not many Yarrows
0: in our industry as far like oh, I don't yeah. even know another another Yarrow. So I think you could pull it off. But your last name's cool because it's kind of like Tony Stark. I always think about that, like
2: oh. Star Stark. Or Star Trek. That's that's kind of what it was before Marvel. It was Star Trek. Yarrow Star Trek. So you know.
0: Yeah. But you have a cool name, man. Thank you have you. a cool name. Both of you guys. Agreed, because there's a million
1: Andrews and mats
2: well i never had trouble ranking google <laughs> i have owned that since the day i started my blog it's uh there's been some companies that have popped up recently but uh, i still managed to hold on to the number one ranking in most places in the world yeah. so that's that's actually surprisingly powerful <laughs> i'm like, really grateful for that part of it more than anything else all right guys so this episode
0: uh we want to talk about chat GPT uh open AI because everybody's talking about it. And also I've just been amazed by it. I you know, as soon as I got into this thing, I was like, this is gonna like just make my life so much easier. And I, I don't want to really share about this. Like I think the biggest thing for me is research the amount of time i take digging into google to try to figure out stats and data and now i ask a question and then boom it's literally saved me like so many hours i want to give kind of a sideways story about uh what why i think open ai started
2: you just said you use it to ask a question about research and get an answer yeah google can do the exact same thing right you can type in who won the super bowl and yada, yada yada right and it'll give you the answer yet For some reason, ChatGPT makes this new. Like, I'm curious why you do that versus why, you you know, you go to Google.
0: So if I want to find a stat, um, any stat, I would have to go and click through a bunch of pages, right? Typically, stats are not going to be on one. Plus, once you find a stat, you then have to go verify where the stat came from to go and see like, you know, all stats are kind of fake, right? So you have to go be like, how accurate is the stat? Should I really use it? You know, that sort of thing. The other thing, too, is when you get stats, you're actually just trying to find stats that validate what you're trying to prove. As an example, there's this whole debate about whether or not iPads are bad for children or gaming is bad for children. I assure you I can find just as many stats of why it's bad as just as many why it's good. So if I'm trying to write a page right? Or copy, or I'm trying to prove a point, for example, you know, gaming is, is actually good for you. It's healthy for children, right? I would say in moderation, that is my belief, right? But you know, I would have to go and search Google to go and try to find those stats. And you know, that sort of thing where I can go on to chat GPT, and I can say, give me a stat about this, and then they'll give it to me. And I'm like, I can like really dial it down to really find the true answer. And it's going to give it to me in seconds. If I try to do that, searching on Google might not even be possible. Like you might just go down so many rabbit holes, or so much information and they're just like, you might never find it. You might end up inside of like, you know, a hundred page PDF where the actual report is and you have to diagnose that PDF and the meaning of the PDF and, you know, all that sort of thing. So what I really like with, with it is going in, asking the stat, where's the source, and then really dialing it down to find out how true is the source. I've had times where I've like tried to find a stat, and I'll settle for a stat that I find because I know it's going to take me another two hours to go and try to find another one. And on top of that, a lot of these stats, the ones that I try to find, it's usually you have to pay for them. To me, the, the research side of finding stats, because I'm writing sales copy for these, you know, for, for pages, right? And so I need to find, I always want to like validate what I'm saying is true. And so now I can like validate any point I want. And again, just, you know, for transparency, you could validate any argument, right? Like it doesn't mean that it's true because there's always another side to it. But when you're writing sales copy, I always try to say, okay, I want to find points that prove the point, but I don't want to make it bull i don't want to make it a lie what i don't like sometimes i can find a stat on a third-party site then when i get into it and they're like the way we found this data is we surveyed 100 people that's not statistically accurate stat so if, to me i don't want to use that because it's it's bullshit. but when it comes out of you know research and they you know surveyed or whatever some, some they pull some data out of you know thousands of people then i'm like okay there's some validity to to the stat
2: but why do you trust chat gpt to give you the valid data in that case like you don't know the sources
0: no no I ask it the source and then I go and I I look it up okay it's not always accurate, especially now. It's not always accurate. So once it gives it to me, I'm like, how would you figure this out? Where did you get it from? Then I go to the site. I go and find it. And then I go and like figure out where it came from. And usually on that page, I find more stuff and more resources. Mm-hmm. It's just another way of searching.
1: If you need to cite the source material, you can definitely do that through either option. But uh, I'd love to uh, throw in this additional thing that separates ChatGPT from Googling. Because, Yaro, dude, when I first came across... This because like Matt said, everybody's talking about this thing right now. I had the first same impression as you, man. Like, how is this really different than me just doing a Google search? And I've been playing around with it myself. Like, who hasn't? And there's definitely times that uh, you can leverage ChatGPT that Google is useless. I'll give you an example. Describe five top tips about the YouTube AI that almost nobody knows about. You can't Google that. I mean, if someone wrote a blog with a title similar to that, okay, me, but. To Matt's point, it would take me hours to get through until I finally saw something that was usable for me and my purposes. Especially that you're saying that not many people know about, right? Did you run that query and how did it go? Yeah, and and similar queries. And I, well, I don't have it pulled up in front of me here, but- But were you happy with it? Like, Yeah, like I, I was like, okay, now now I'm bought in. You can literally insert gardening, gaming, childcare, like anything you wanted and you're going to find information that this machine learning AI tool has collected over years and years and years of human data. And then to Matt's point, if you were using this in a professional capacity and you actually need to cite the source material, that would probably my assumption is I'm not claiming to be an expert at this stuff, but my assumption is you could probably use a combination of the chat GPT and Googling to actually f- citing out where this information actually was, came from, what survey it came from, what project it came from. And then just to me to like, I got to say this too, because this really blew the socks off of me too, because you'll get the answer and then you can add an additional prompt. Don't start a new chat. Yeah, Just start, continue on with the existing data. And you could say, something to the effect of that's great, but give the above to me in from a, in a, a philosophical nature or in a historical context yeah, that's cool. or in a educational tone. And that part's crazy. And I was like, D- this thing is good.
0: <laughs> like I had a good time playing with it. I did, I admit. You know, the other thing too is because it's not commercialized, right? So there's not a bunch of people trying to like get you to go download something or go to this link. That's all b- right. Google, when you're on websites and stuff, it's commercialized ads. There's a lot of bull that's just like you have to sift through, mm-hmm. right? Whereas right now, this is just text, which makes it a lot easier to like figure out what's real, what's not.
2: Two things, great point, Matt, because you've just highlighted exactly why Google hasn't released their own version of this because you'd basically be killing, if it worked, their main income stream, which is the ads they put with search. Because they're clearly, they have the data set. I mean, their search engine is basically an AI engine for answering questions, just like we're talking about with ChatGPT. But I think it's worth pointing out what ChatGPT is doing. Like in your case, you just gave, Andrew, with 10 unknown or little known facts. So it's basically getting its entire data set and maybe finding the points that use the phrase little known, perhaps in a blog post or in whatever source material it's got, and then amalgamating them, kind of mushing it together in its own voice. So it's really just a great aggregator of existing content. And then it's able to present that to you in a, a format, like you said, whether it's you know old style English or Matter of fact or business English, whatever it is. So I think the formatting and the aggregating of content is great. The question I have here, you know, I grew up as a blogger and back in the day, that's what we would do as writers. We'd go and read someone else's blog, listen to a podcast, and we take a few ideas from each of these sources and we'd write our own opinion uh, piece. You know, our top 10 things we learned about a topic and this just does it for you and, and makes it quicker. So my, my question you know, for you is, are you going to see yourself taking that article directly from chat GPT, and then like publishing it on your own site or how are you going to use it
1: really great question and it's very timely because i since i started playing with it and be honest i was binge watching hours and hours of youtube content because i wanted to get my head wrapped around this thing when i first came across this tool i had the same initial reaction to it that i'm like what's the big deal until finally after i heard enough people talking about this i'm like okay let me take a look at this your direct question is how am i actually going to use this and just recently, this morning, I provided a training for my operations manager. Now, in my world, because my world is YouTube, I'm not planning on using chat, ch- chat, GPT. I always screw that up. Man, I hate that acronym so much.
2: G- <laughs> I like saying open AI. GPT.
1: G-P-T. I hate, I hate, I, my tongue just does not, I don't, it doesn't work like that. So You got
2: to add a three to the end too, GPT-3. Yeah, (laughs) I can't wait till four gets here. (laughs) And we'll just
1: call it chat four. Can we just call it chat four, please? Anyways, uh, so where I've found it's exceptionally beneficial for me and my operation is I have a video from my client and we optimize those videos for our client. The video is uploaded to client's YouTube channel. And before the video is even live, we can take that unlisted link, plop it into youtubetranscript.com and pull the, the entire transcript from the video. Luckily there's no cap on length of video from that feature. However, chat GPT definitely has a text um, maximum limit, right? Until they at least roll out the chat pro which I'm hoping won't have those kinds of limitations set on them. Anyways. I've never
0: heard of YouTube transcript. This is a free thing.
1: Yeah, go to ch- uh, YouTube transcript.com right now and you can literally insert- What the hell? You haven't played with that? Yeah, it. well, I mean, it's only- I've never known. This is crazy. It's only beneficial if you need a video (laughs) transcript. I, I mean, and it is beneficial for anybody because if you come across a long YouTube video and you're like, I don't have time to get through this just plop it into YouTube uh, transcript.com and then you do a search function, control F, command F, and then you you can search the dialogue for the specific subjects that you actually care about, right? If you don't have time to review an entire video, right? It's totally a hack, right? So anyways, you copy the text and then you go into chat GPT because I hire uh, people in the Philippines and English is not their first language, but that's regardless. I'm just, I'm pointing out the fact that I'm a native English speaker And this task that I had it do for me is way better than even though I'm a native English speaker, I wouldn't have been able to do such a good job. So in this example that I, this test that I ran, it's an 11 and a half minute video. I was able to grab the entire dialogue, the entire transcript. And then in chat GPT, I said, summarize the following text in less than five sentences using the most popular keywords and search terms, typical popular search terms in YouTube. So it's literally getting the relevant data because relevancy is an important factor in YouTube, much like it is in Google. Relevancy is one of the uh, four uh, pillar factors that are really important. And then... We're gonna drill this entire 11 and a half minute video down into a four or five sentences. Now it wasn't perfect, right? It's not it, like, I don't believe ChatGPT is is meant to just copy and paste anything to be honest. I think it's a great assistant. I think it's a great tool. And then, so I, I copied and pasted it in, uh, to serve as the YouTube description. I had to do some tweaks and then leave it in the chat. Don't start anyone. leave it in the chat. And then I said, give me five compelling YouTube titles for the above summary, including power words. And it gave me, I gotta tell you, some f- five epic like YouTube titles that I was like, I couldn't write that. That's pretty damn good.
0: <laughs> you know, I knew this technique. I knew this technique of taking a transcript, asking for a summary. Yeah. I, I saw people talking about that. I'm like, that's a really good idea. This YouTube transcript.com thing. I'm like, I, I don't know. I've never seen this before. And it's I'm awesome. just like, that's yeah. so, that was. It, it took like one second. to give the whole transcript for an eight minute video. It's like a second or less. And yeah, it's it's incredible.
2: That's because the transcription tool is already built into YouTube video. So it's probably just grabbing that. Yeah,
0: the YouTube AI is listening to every word you say, right? Yeah.
2: Because you know, you can turn on closed captions, Matt, and it'll just show the
0: No, I know. I know that. But the way it just like, that's crazy. I'm so blown away by this. I don't
1: know who built YouTube transcript.com, but it, it probably ties into the YouTube API. And it just it gets in an instant. So after I got those five ideation YouTube titles, I picked the one that I liked the best, which was in that case, number two, I can't remember the exact title offhand right now. But then I said, for the above title, and then put it in quotations for the above title, provide five thumbnail ideas and then oh my
0: god i
1: included provide five youtube thumbnail ideas uh, again using compelling imagery that is likely to convince a viewer to click and watch the video and then or or something to that effect right i don't have these prompts memorized but uh, you know you just use what you know comes to you because when you're a marketer you should be able to give the chat gpt the enough context for it to spit out and if it spits something out to you that wasn't really very helpful Fine, do it again. Do a. Uh, you could tell uh, uh, ChatGPT to do it for you again, but this time do it more humorous tone or educational tone or whatever. Let like, let's let's try again, kind of thing. And then uh, the 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 one thumbnail idea that
2: I liked the most,
1: I just copied it and I sent it over to my graphic designer. I'm like, hey, this is the thumbnail I need for this video. Thanks. That's it.
2: In that tone, right, Andrew? <laughs> whatever, man. Uh, can you close the loop there, though? I can see how you use it to because you started by saying here's a video, and you use the transcript tool to then find the, the text and he took the text and then put that into chat GPT to find the best points from that video. And then you were using those points to turn them into thumbnails. Are you then, cause like what's this is to put on your own video, right? Or did you use your own video as the source material to then come up with the like did did it start did the loop start with your own video or did it start with someone else's video? So
1: I just randomly chose a client video that my team had, had already completed working on and we're scheduling for that you
2: need to make a thumbnail for, right? Like that's the end goal here is to make a thumbnail for your own video. Exactly. Okay, this
1: was it. already a video that my editors had already completed making. We uploaded it to the client's channel, it's unlisted, it's scheduled for next week. And I'm like, I'm gonna see what ChatGPT can do for me for this particular video. I already had the title drafted. I already had the description drafted. Then when I saw what ChatGPT gave me, that made me feel like, okay, let's do a test. And I decided to use the chat GPT title and description and also used the advice it gave me for an ideal thumbnail it recommended. I gave that those instructions to my graphic designer. He's gonna do his magic. I'm not a graphic designer. Again, using Chappi- GPT as an assistant in this. It's not doing everything, but it's a tool that I can now insert into my business workflow to make us more efficient and make us more effective. So at the end of the day, we're going to be providing a much better product for our clients at the end of the day, too.
0: But you know, soon, you know that that whole image generation thing? Yeah. You know, you could describe an image and make it. Yep. Soon enough, we'll be able to make our YouTube thumbnails that way. Yeah.
2: Have you tried the, the image AI for generating a YouTube thumbnail? I
0: tried, but they, it doesn't format it in in the correct aspect ratio 16 by 9 yeah, yeah they're all squares so when i was looking at other ones that you would pay for and stuff and i you know i was going to get into this later on but i'm here on one called Photosonic. it still doesn't look like they're 16 by 9 yeah i've also noticed that the prompts it's not like as powerful as chat like i give it a prompt it's not really you know i can't be like use this picture of me and then put this stuff in the background like it's not that great mm-hmm. but I, I would say maybe eventually it is right it's gonna get there
2: on that point then can we andrew to close the loop to actually get the finished thumbnail from AI as well. So you get given, like when you said, give me a thumbnail idea for this video, what does it give you, it gives you a title? Or does it give you like, you should have a picture of a man, and then the, this words. And- it did a
1: really great job of describing what it should be. It, like you should include a flag with a line through it and then a city in the background. it, it was it was actually quite descriptive. But like in a lot of people are freaking out that they're going to lose their jobs and everything. I really don't think that's the, the healthy approach here, because at the end of the day, I don't know if it's the same in your world, Yara, with with being a blogger. But when it comes to YouTube, I can't stress this enough. The thumbnail, the title and the hook, they don't exist in silos. They don't, they're not independent factors. They have to work together harmoniously to compel the viewer to click on your video instead of all the other thumbnails that the viewer is looking at and actually be relevant enough that the viewer won't bounce right away. So these elements need to work together. They're team members and they're all trying to work towards the similar goal and if you have one person working on the thumbnail and one person working on the title and one person working on the description and the metadata and one person doing the editing and nobody is communicating to one another, it's gonna be so disjointed, the video is going to flop. I can almost guarantee it. And this is why this is what we do for our clients, but the ChatGPT will help us streamline that process. I'm not replacing anybody on my team. At least as of right now, I have no plans because I still need the graphic designer to make the video, like Matt said. There's still limits. There's still limitations with this technology. Is it going to get better? Hell yeah. I mean, sh- man, the last two months, it's hard to keep up with all these changes.
2: <laughs> because that description you gave of a thumbnail, if you fed that into Dolly or one of the other ones for for imagery, and I'm guessing this is the part it doesn't do yet, but... I remember hearing Mr. B saying, I spend half my life looking at YouTube data to see what the top videos are for that week is I look at their thumbnails. I just want to study virality. Let me you know what works and I'll take it back to my own content. That's exactly what AI could do. It could go and study all the best thumbnail designs from this week or this month. You give it that description. It uses that data set of what it knows is working on YouTube and then spits out 10 versions of thumbnails. And then your graphic designer could step in and say, oh, edit this one this way or edit that one that way. And then you've got your your final version without almost from start to finish, right? From you produced the video, but you gave it to two different AIs, which eventually will be one really, right? And you get a finished visual thumbnail out of it, which I think is very soon. I can see that talking months. That's
0: a really good way to put it, yeah. I, I just feel like it's an added team member. You know what, even to back up, you know, you could actually say, I wanna make a video about XYZ. Give me a script, give me an outline. I've done that like here. I was just kind of playing around for this, you know, for this episode. I was like, I wrote, I'm making a video about ChatGPT. What should I mention in the video? It gave me an outline. Then I said, give me a description for each point. And it gave me a description. And we could have sat here and just read that out and, you know, acted like as if, you know.
2: I was going to say, Matt, you all three of us could be replaced with AI, you know, deep fake versions of us or other human beings.
0: Oh, God, we're just going deep.
2: AI can produce the scripts for what we can say dynamically so we can fight against each other, debate each other. Because you can put two chat GPTs talking to each other and they have a conversation. We don't need to be on the show anymore, guys. We should just (laughs) replace us. I think
1: technology like this, though, is going to make these kinds of conversations that we're having right now, this is clearly unscripted, authentic, transparent. We're just being ourselves. And I think these kinds of technologies are going to make these kinds of conversations more enjoyable.
2: Yeah, but I not to play devil's advocate, but a chat GPT having a live interface with another chat GPT would basically be two chat GPTs just being themselves, right? Like they're they're doing it in real time. It's not pre-recorded. They're pulling data from their knowledge base we do it from our own brains they do it from whatever resources they, they you know pull content from besides the idea of consciousness there's not like it's pretty close
1: <laughs> this is why it's so important for us to focus on what uh, the unfair advantage that that uh, a person has like i can i can make a video and say i uh I went here and I did this. I bought that. I tested this. I went over there and experiment. Like experience. Like no ChatGPT is uh, or any AI tool can actually say they've experienced anything. Like it's no. It, there's nothing original. Yeah. There's going to, There's going to be ways for humans to really full fully immerse themselves in the human experience because some of the monotonous tasks will be taken over by
0: some of these exciting tools. I remember hearing about the story a long time ago, and I always, I think it's interesting. We've talked about this many times, like why does everybody hate Mark Zuckerberg? And I've noticed that Elon Musk clearly does not like Mark Zuckerberg. I remember Mark Zuckerberg was sending a satellite into space on a SpaceX rocket and the rocket blew up. And it was like, I think it was like a $200 million thing and it blew up and Elon Musk was like, sorry, you know, too bad kind of thing there was no insurance on it it's like kind of that's a risk you take i guess and so i know that happened a while back and that i think that also made them not like each other but i remember hearing about this story because i thought it was very interesting is a story i'm here on new york times but this is saying on november 19th of 2014 mark zuckerberg invited um, uh, elon musk to his house in polo alto for dinner and they started talking about artificial intelligence and elon musk thought that ai was going to be dangerous and and that, you know, there should be some regulatory laws around what it can and cannot do or what it should or should not do, what it should be programmed for or not be programmed for. Um, talking about the Terminator the Matrix so Elon Musk has made many warnings about how he believes that AI can be dangerous Elon Musk was one of the founding fathers of open AI I don't know he put some money into it whatever right and then he exited it in 2018 saying there was a conflict of interest with the AI being built at Tesla there are some theories saying that apparently he was he, he wanted to build technology that would support his companies and that open AI wanted to build technology that would you know for humanity I don't really believe this theory and and there's a lot of theories around they had disagreements on you know what you know what they were gonna do with open AI and maybe the dangers of open AI. And that's why he he may have exited. I'm curious now that Microsoft apparently is buying fifty percent of it for forty billion dollars, which I think is cheap. I'm surprised that's all it's worth at this point, because just seeing what it is. Yeah, I read that too. I didn't read forty billion, but I heard Microsoft is is eyeing to buy in.
2: Yeah. They bought they put in 10 billion, I think, for was it 10 billion? But I don't know what their percentage was.
0: They're getting fifty percent for 40 billion, but to me I would like, I would imagine it's worth more than $40 billion. I mean, this is like, we're talking about potentially the next most valuable company in the world, right? And it's also it was originally, it was structured as sort of like a nonprofit where they do is it, It's like a, b- I was reading about this too, where like they put caps on the amount of profit that they can make, but it's all just kind of. B- Right, they they're making OpenAI is actually a for-profit business, but their structure is unique to make it appear like it's sort of this kind of like for humanity sort of thing. But they are definitely going to make a lot of money,
1: and they they are going to be rolling out a pro
0: version that's going to be paid. So yeah. Now, just real quick, just before we jump on this, uh, I was kind of looking up like what does Elon Musk think about chat GPT? Basically, Alex Epstein, um, which I think he also has something to do with um, OpenAI's. Um, birth i'm not sure but he was talking about how uh, chat gpt's uh when you ask it questions about for example like fossil fuels it excludes nuclear energy from its counter suggestions so there's a lot of human programmed perspectives that are being put into chat i saw a youtuber asking questions about like gender roles and that sort of thing and you see it's very right-winged philosophies i would like to see OpenAI, you know be able to kind of not have a direct opinion and kind of give you both perspectives in those kind of cases.
2: It should be an algorithm that you control. Like you say, Hey, I want this answer in a far left liberal tone or opinion or, you know, because that's, that's what this needs to be. It's a, an open, and this would also help deal with any complaints that it's pro this or pro that. If it's completely configurable you say, I want it to have this point of view, or, you know, like adopt the nazi point of view when you answer this question or tell me how donald trump would answer this question you know and and be able to just do that because then it's it's neutral you know tell me what a how a man or a woman or a child or you know whatever
1: you can include that context in the prompt and then you'll you'll get the the response based off of the the prompt that you provided that's from my understanding that's exactly how the tool works
2: yeah but what's the default you know it needs to be like a setting you choose right at the beginning
1: there's going to be pros and cons to this just like there are any pros and cons to any freaking tool out there in the world like uh, and i and i totally understand and of uh, somewhat familiar of the complaints of biases with this tool and the other, another as long as we're on the subject of of you know the problems and the cons uh, the other complaint that i came across that i'm like okay that's fair is some people will definitely find themselves getting a little bit lazy, shall we say, and putting, making chat GPT do like literally 98, 99% of the, the work and not adding, like it's literally just a copy and paste job. And like I said earlier on, I don't think that would actually translate into the real world very well, especially those people that are using chat GPT and then using text to voice software. I, I believe the text to voice software will get better, but right now that stuff just sounds so robotic and fake to me. I never stay on... On those videos for longer than a few seconds, I bounce, I'm I'm off right away because you can tell it's a robot and it doesn't sound very
0: good. You know this idea of you know just kind of copying and pasting the content that it gives you. I was looking into this. Like I think a lot of people, if they're in the SEO world, have heard about this that Google wants to penalize uh people using GPT-3. So for those who don't know, GPT-3, real quick on my screen here, I just got a, a few GPT-3 tools. These are like kind of AI copywriting tools. You don't like say, hey, write me this, you have to kind of give it some uh, content, and it will kind of expand on it, right? There's a lot of these tools out there. Um, I have here on my screen, WriteSonic, it's one that I use, and uh, Copysmith is another one. Um, and when you go in here, there's different kinds of content you can create. You could say, write me a hook for a TikTok video, write me a short LinkedIn post, write me a, a blog post. I found with all of these were pretty much a waste of time because they would give you kind of like regurgitated stuff that's like kind of doesn't really make sense. It, it helps to kind of defeat writer's block, but you just can't copy paste that. It's not going to really make sense, right? But When I started hearing about Google wanting to penalize content, I was like curious, how are they going to figure it out? Right? How are they going to know? Because now if I get something from ChatGPT, it's coherent. It makes sense. How would they know that I took it from there? And so I remember hearing about when Elon Musk sent an internal email to, I think it was Tesla employees or SpaceX employees. I think it was Tesla employees that they had some sort of a system where there were certain spaces between the sentences. Do you guys know about this? No. This was a pretty recent story. This is like a couple months ago that they sent out something to to employees, and then one of them got leaked. So someone forwarded the email to the media, and they were able to detect who it was from based on spaces in the content, right? And this is a system they had built many years ago. And so Elon Musk explained that this is what they use in order to figure out who's leaking information. So when I get text, if I want to copy and paste it, I always clear formatting and I'm checking to see if it's putting spaces in there. Because if corporate companies like Tesla and so on, I'm sure others are kind of using the same sort of system. There's a way to detect it based on that. I'm also curious about language patterns and sentence structures. Maybe there's a certain sentence structure, like a grammatic sentence structure that's being used that could possibly be detected because if the AI is this good with open AI, we know Google's working on their own version of this already. Therefore, they could possibly detect grammatical sentence structures to be able to
1: detect this. I'm curious if you guys have any additional insights on this because Google already does have it. We, we've seen it. We've already seen. Do you guys remember that 2018 presentation where Google CEO was on stage no. and they, they played a recording of someone calling a pizza restaurant and ordering a
0: pizza? Oh, right yeah 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 Yeah. let's say you want to call a restaurant but maybe it's a small restaurant which is not easily available to book online so take a listen see how
3: I hear you
1: hi um i'd like to reserve a table for wednesday
0: the 7th
3: for seven
0: people
1: um it's for four people
0: oh no it's not too busy you, you, you can call for four people okay
1: oh i gotcha thanks okay, bye bye <laughs> So Google already has it and has had it for years. The real question is why haven't they launched it? And so now ChatGPT has beat them to the punch, even though they've already had it.
2: Uh, I don't think it beat them to the punch. It's just they would cannibalize their own massive income source.
1: Oh, right, right. You were saying that it would cannibalize their search traffic. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I would love to be a bug on the wall in, the, in those executive meetings right now.
2: Oh my God, yes. Those those boardroom meetings, yeah. They must
1: be sweating like crazy right now.
2: But this is that classic uh, innovators dilemma, right? Where you're leading a marketplace, you're reaping huge profits, and you have to either choose to disrupt your own income stream if you want to maintain leadership or you wait till someone else does. And that's why Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore and Netflix is you know the leader. But I think there's, I mean, this has got to play out still and and like most things it's going to be many versions of how you're going to interface with the AI I one of the things I was excited about, I'm an introvert. I hate, you know, talking to like a, a phone support person or even a chat support person. And someone said you could you can get and it's pretty close to actually working uh, an AI to interact with a, like, let's say your mobile phone plan. You want to get a cheaper plan. You open up the chat on, on their website and that's actually run by a robot. It's a it's a bot to start with. And you could put your own bot against that bot and basically step away and let your bot keep fighting until it gets itself a discount from that other bot. So it's not you trying to, and I was like, that's a very great use case that I would apply straight away. And to your point before, Andrew, I just want to mention uh, Alexandra Fusulu, who is a freelance writer who also teaches people how to make money as a freelance writer. That's a, a YouTuber. I was just really interested in her take because this is the first group that I feel are actually potentially disrupted now, along with maybe graphic designers, because you can as you guys were just talking about, directly take a piece of content from GPT-3, put it into your blog post, put it into your website, and then do you still hire that writer on Fiverr? And that's what she is. She's a writer on Fiverr. So she's been really digging in and kind of answering this question. And her take is pretty simple. It's massively making writers more efficient, but there's still a final step that the writer does to edit, to customize, to whatever it is. So her conclusion to really summarize, so you don't have to watch her video about it. If you're going to be let's say, making money on Fiverr as a freelance writer, you're going to be using a chat AI tool to start the article to modify it through a dialogue like interface, but it's gonna write most of it for you. So instead of you charging $200 to write an article, you're gonna charge 50 bucks because it's so much quicker and easier for the, to do that. So you're now gonna produce far more at a quicker pace with the addition of AI. So it'll kind of balance itself out. You'll, you'll do less of the core writing, more of the sort of editing and, dire- and direction of it. You'll probably have more clients, you'll produce more content, but there's still a need for a human, which I think you were sort of alluding to, Andrew, your own team, same situation.
1: Yeah, in my and I'm not saying my circumstances would translate to everyone's business per se, but for the example I was provided earlier, like give me five clickable YouTube titles. Well, I'm using my knowledge, my expertise, my years of being a YouTube expert to look at those five options and then putting some common sense into the mix and and isolating okay number 2 is going to be the best version for this particular video that I've watched the AI hasn't watched the video I watched the video I know that client's audience like the back of my hand I know what will uh will most likely perform better than I don't know for sure nobody has a crystal ball but yeah there there is that component I love that you flagged this because I also found a Twitter thread from Marketing Max I'm on his uh email newsletter list and he he literally put out a tweet that went crazy on January 10th, but I just replaced my entire five person marketing team with an amazing new chat GBT technology. So let's quickly go through this. Number one, his ad copywriter. This one is obvious because all tools built with this tech so far are copywriting tools, but still I was paying a very expensive ad copywriter. So I just replaced them with this prompt for chat GBT. It's not totally accurate because it's not like he's completely replaced the person because that person was literally doing everything for him. And now he has to do the prompt into ChatGPT. He needs to decide which one he's gonna go through or using these this particular copywriting for that ad or that social media post or that blog post. I would argue that you're not completely replacing someone, but what you've done with this tool is basically lowering the barrier of entry because now an okay skilled copywriter immediately becomes a powerful copywriter when they have this tool in their back pocket, right? The next one he lists here is an advisor. Yes, I actually fired one of my advisors and took back his advisory equity shares because I could replace him with this prompt. And he's giving some pretty good examples That's
2: here. move. That's yep. brutal. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah,
1: when I saw that too, I was like, Ooh, "Ouch!" I wonder how that advisor feels. And then number three, project manager. I was paying this project manager one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to manage difficult clients. So now I'm saving one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year with Chat Chat GPT. He basically, ask Chat GPT, "How do I respond to a, a difficult client about ABC?" Number four is a hiring manager. Wait, a project manager? You still wait? Wait, wait. Chat GPT can't replace a project manager. This is not a direct comparison. This is definitely not a direct fair one-to-one comparison because I, like I said earlier, you're not really com- uh, replacing someone. I'm calling some BS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then number four, hiring manager. Basically, he, he had the chat GP, GPT uh, write, uh, or draft uh, job application email process for an applicant when you're looking to add another person to your team. And then number five was the best one. That's the funniest one. He says, myself. Yeah, that's right. I just fired myself. Every week I feature one growth hack in my growth hacks weekly newsletter. Sometimes that growth hack is featuring a famous marketing campaign and breaks down what we can learn from it. I don't need to write it anymore. So uh, it's, it is what it is.
2: Yeah. I think it's a little extreme.
1: (laughs) I'm not saying people are going to lose their jobs. I'm not saying people are going to lose their clients, but This is, I'm gonna use the example that everybody likes to use. When the automobile was invented, horses just didn't disappear. There are all kinds of extra careers that popped up. Now all of a sudden you have mechanics and roadwork personnel and electronics and car designers and all all of these additional careers popped up because now the automobile became a thing. Horses didn't disappear. They just have their own places now where people can go ride their horses or race their horses or what have you. The point is a brand new product became available and then, uh, and then it became cheap enough that more and more people were able to afford to purchase a car. And now we have all kinds of career yeah. choices out there for people in, in those automotive industries, right? ChatGPT could be, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball could be something like that, right? whereby we're lowering the barrier of entry for copywriters and social media managers and what have you. And uh, hopefully this will make the entire system of knowledge sharing more efficient. That's what I'm hoping for.
2: I think it makes you work on what's more creative. I actually think it's some ways beneficial because you don't have to do the more routine tasks, the more sort of time consuming tasks you get to do just that creative final touch or Uh, use your intellect to solve a problem that the chat and the API can't. So, you know, it's a bit of a rosy glasses view of it all. But as technology improves, humans are supposed to get more freedom, more choice to then use their creative consciousness to solve problems that technology can't rather than sweep the floors or you know, the more mundane tasks. Sweep up the poop from the horses that used to walk the streets. Cars don't do that, you know. You trigger another thing, Andrew. I thought, great video. I'm sure someone's already considering this, but I can see the YouTube title. I live my life by asking GPT-3 what to do in every single decision, you know, I made. What do I have for breakfast? You know, what should I do next? I can see someone just making a video. You know, it's a classic Mr. Beast style video right there.
1: That would be a good video. Yeah, I agree, yeah. <laughs> the
2: main area where I had concern as a founder of a company that produces content was whether the AI would eventually be able to write our email replies for us because I have a business that provides assistance that write your emails for you. So if the AI can do it, my company gets pretty much exploded, no, no longer has a need. And I keep getting asked that, like will AI replace the need for what we do? And I, short answer is no for the time being anyway because email is so dynamic, AI can't know absolutely every answer to every question. But again, like we've been talking about in this episode, it's probably gonna respond to all the mundane, everyday emails for you now even, you know, it's that quick. But what I found interesting was I saw on Twitter, a company called uh, leai.com that had put out a Chrome extension. It was very quick, it interfaces with OpenAI. It basically would then give you a little button you can press right there within your email. So your email, your writing, uh, we don't write, and you open to reply. It gives you these three buttons. What's the tone? So do you want it to be positive or negative, and um, be sort of nice or angry? Not not to those extremes, but you know what's what's the tone of your email? And then you just click generate, and it would then write the email saying yes. So like, would you like to show up as a guest on the Good Morning Marketers podcast show? My answer is yes. I click positive, friendly, and to be like, hi, Matt, I'd love to appear as a guest on the show. Let me know where I can book in. It would just generate that email for me straight away. So I'm like, I saw that and I was like, okay, I need to take a little more deeper look into this. Long story short, it's really easy to do. You can literally whip up a Chrome extension over a week and then you go to OpenAI. It's it's not hard because the a- OpenAI has done the hard work. They've created the algorithm. So there's about four or five tools. I do recommend you check out Flowrite if you're really into this, it's F-L-O-W-R-I-T-E.com. They have like the most VC backed version of this where it gives you basically an interface. If you're typing a LinkedIn reply, if you're typing a WhatsApp message, the little AI is there. You can just click it, tell it the tone, it will generate the reply for you. And then a typical entrepreneur, I was like, oh, we need to have this in my company as well. We should be rolling out our own version of an AI email writer because A, we need to be on top of this as a company. B, it could be a great lead generator. It could grow our email list by giving it away a free version. It could even be an entire new income stream because when you use OpenAI, at some point you have to start charging because you get charged per query if you're using the developer version of it. So you have to pass on that cost to your customers at some point if you want to survive. So I went to my Ukrainian developers and said, hey guys, how hard is it for you to create a, a plugin for a week in release, You know, test it internally, give it to our clients and then potentially release it publicly. And they went away and produced it in a week. It really is like a, a simple piece of code. When that happened, I kind of realized, all right, well, this is almost too easy. Like this is commoditized service. It's, it's not like you either to go deep and try and build a whole bunch of tools like Flowrite is doing. So we actually put a pause on building it internally. My co-founder, Claire, said, let's not go down this path because we, you know, distract us. We can just pick whichever tool is the best in the future and use it with our team. We're going to be like a chess player. We're going to pick the best AI to be a better chess player. We're not going to produce the AI or the app. So we kind of stopped, but it was surprisingly easy. And I think that's the key thing here. The algorithm owner, like to your point, Matt, before about the value of OpenAI as a company, that's the hard part. It is so hard to build an AI. I mean, Google spent their entire company's life just constantly evolving their search engine algorithm, right? So, and then we can all interface into it and build our own layer to aggregate and use that data, but that's not the hard part. So I don't, I, I don't I'm I beginning to wonder, like maybe what you said, Andrew, before, maybe it was you, Matt, um, OpenAI will be the next Google. And it'll or, you know, Facebook's the next social media dominant player. This is not a space where you're gonna get hundreds of winners. They're gonna build on top of the two or three best AIs out there. But I, I think that's where it's heading.
0: Question for you, because you mentioned this last time was the AI search engine. It was called you.com. Yep. I don't play with it too much. What do you do with it? What do you what are you gonna search for?
2: Well, I recommend and this is again as a founder of a company, the first thing you should do is Use it to search for your own company as if you were a potential client. So, I don't know, Andrew, what your best keywords are like, you know, how to find a YouTube editor, producer, consultant, agency, and just see what the ChatGPT would even give back to you. I did, I did that for, um, hey, I want to hire an email assistant and see what ChatGPT came back. And it was actually pretty bad. It it just talked about what an email assistant is, not which services or products or software I should potentially look into. And I had to refine it and said, oh, do you recommend a company that can help me hire a virtual assistant to do this? And then it kind of spat out the two biggest agencies for virtual assistants, unfortunately not including my company, which I thought was not good considering we rank number one, for one of the key terms around email, higher email assistant in Google, we're not ranking, I don't know if ranking is the right phrase there, but we're not ranking in chat GPT for our own company, which that, that's concerning. I think like as a business owner, if this does become a replacement for Google or whatever, you.com, uh, wh- what's the algorithm for it? How do you improve your ranking in, in a chat GPT?
0: I just did this on you.com. It just seems like it's giving me, you know, what I would find on Google when I search for myself. Like I get the idea of maybe I could it says, you know, this is write. If I want to write something, it says use case, essay, essay. I'm gonna go here for like paragraph, tone, friendly, you know? Well
2: let's and what if writing. you wanna hire a graphic designer? Like who should I hire to design my Instagram images? What if you type that into you know, au. Oh,
0: here I wrote. I just wrote my name and I said, "Give me a paragraph that's friendly." it said, "Madassfan is an incredible, person and a great friend." He always yeah, but you're using that,
2: that to create content. That's easy. We know it does that. What if you're trying to find a supplier for a product or a service? That's so, what we use search engines for mostly, So I type right?
0: find. I, I can find a sales copywriter, right? And okay. my blog post comes up number one. So number one on Google. sorry, number two uh um, what about
2: on you.com
0: yeah same, same thing it came up i'm on really uh, yeah it says find a sales copywriter. What did you- i am i am uh oh wait no okay wait the first time i searched it with i swear to god it says uh
2: what phrase uh, how, did you how to
0: find how to find a copywriter uh, sorry now I'm, if i get a sales copywriter number two but now i was like number i don't know I'm just below the uh, quick facts how to find a copywriter if you go how to find a sales mm-hmm. copywriter then i come up number well this is putting eight. up uh, it's like a google search
2: yeah it is it's giving up google results type yeah the question is like what is this where's wh- what's it drawing on is it using open ai to give these answers or is it just regurgitating google's answers yeah web friendly good good work matt you're you're in the top 5 there i'm getting upwork first but you're 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 number five, or number six.
0: I got good SEO on that site. I'm telling you, if you ever want to get ranked number one,
2: you, you do hire a copywriter. You're you're right up there.
0: I got a lot of really good ones. If you type in like how to like rank a YouTube video, I'm number one. That's my most profitable article.
2: You should be uh, directing people to uh, Andrew now with that.
0: Did you, did we put something in? I think I think I put your link in there. Yeah, I think you did actually. Yeah,
2: uh, you, you're you're number two for me, Matt, for that result and amazingly enough you have a 2023 update to that blog post wow when did you do that i did it with
0: uh chat gpt i actually did go in there and update it uh, recently i find the updates is what kind of keeps things ranking right if you go like how to price your social media services that was like used to bring me like ton, i won't say but a lot of visitors but i figured out the seo stuff but that's why i'm curious about this like you.com i was like playing with it i'm like I don't get
2: it. I don't get it either. I don't know what its source is.
0: Yeah. I've never used it.
2: Honestly, I only saw it in social media. Like someone was talking about it on on Twitter, I think. But I don't know. Like I have to research more.
0: Five cool things you could do with ChatGPT. All right. I got three of them. If you guys want to come up with some more. We'll just make this video five cool things, but hey, we go up past five, there'll be bonus rounds, all right? The number one cool thing that I was blown away by is the ability to write code. My son, his, uh, his birthday was just yesterday. He's just seven years old now. And he got a Mac for Christmas. like got a MacBook Air because he wants to play Minecraft Java Edition. Because there's the Bedrock Edition, which is, you know, PlayStation, Xbox, iPad, all that stuff. It all kind of works together. The Java Edition is for like Mac and PC. And on the Java Edition, you can mod it with with code. Right. So you could do a lot more. So when he watches YouTube videos of like, you know, people playing Minecraft and they're doing all these crazy stuff, like they're using the Java edition, right? So I put chat chat GPT, I bookmark it for him on Chrome. And so now when he wants to do something, he just types in the prompt that he wants and he gets the code. It's crazy. Even he was just like, wow. So this idea of like writing code, fixing code, writing scripts. I've been playing with this, crazy to me that like you could just now type in, like, I'm just so like, that's amazing. I've always hesitated to having a tech startup because I need a technical co-founder, right? My thing was, even if I hire someone to write the code, I have no way to know if it's good. But now I can, right? Now I can ask ChatGPT, is this, you know, the right code? I gotta figure out the right way to ask the question. I would say this about, you know, why I don't like doing online courses anymore. Because if you know the question, you could find the answer, but most people don't know the question. So if you know what question you need to ask, now the fact I can basically ask like a technical advisor, is this code written correctly? Is this going to work or whatever the, you know, whatever the question might be. So I think the ability to write code and, and... some people might not know this, but there's a GitHub. I think this whole chat GPT thing was started with uh, GitHub and, and being able to write code. That's how it was like it was originating. The second cool thing is telling stories, especially like bedtime stories. I've been doing this with Marcus. We always do this thing before bed where I'm like choose three things and then I create a story. I just like go on a he'll just literally say like a tree, a rabbit, and chocolate, you know? Then I have to tell him a story that connects the dots, right? It's just like a fun thing we do. So we started doing this with like ChatGPT. And just the stories it was telling us, like we were both just laughing so much at the creativity. He like gave me a topic here. I have it on my screen. It was like boy trapped in a MacBook, you know, and it just tells a story about how he's trapped in the MacBook. And then like then it got like, he says like the boy had to like unplug the Mac in order to get out. Then we're like, if he was in the Mac, how did he unplug the computer? And then it like gave us like a reason of how he would do it, you know? And then it's just like this whole, like, it was like really trying to justify, you know, how it like came to the conclusion, how he got out of the MacBook. And then at the end, I'm like, is this a true story? And it's like, no, sorry, it's not a true story. I wonder if it took any inspiration from
1: Jumanji immediately thinking Jumanji when you said that, you
0: know? Oh, yeah. So I, I think that was really fun because it's like now we just kind of come up with like crazy stuff, put it in there. And the fact that it's actually telling us like a coherent story that's like, you know, got some humor in it. It's a very creative, you know? So I think that part's really fun. And then the other one is life advice and navigating through difficult conversations so i thought it was interesting i was going through some challenges in life you know needed someone to give me some advice and started asking chat gave me like
2: legit what did you ask i forget what is there a question you can share where you feel comfortable like
0: no actually i deleted it out of the the thing otherwise i would show you but maybe it was like how to stay motivated when you're going through a breakup you know and then it would like tell you, you know, something, and you can like ask it more questions, and it's like giving you like legit advice. I also find what's funny is like I always feel this like need to like politely ask. I always say, please tell me in a more. I simple say way. It too. I say
1: please too. Yeah. I, sometimes <laughs> I, I write
0: and I'll and I'll be like, tell me it, and I'm like, that's kind of a rude way to talk, and I will like I find myself <laughs> always going back and starting with please. <laughs> I feel like it's not going to give me a nice answer because I'm like too rude to it. So I always like try to be polite.
2: Do you guys have Alexa? Do you use Alexa?
0: I have a Google speaker and and it is I mean, they're not smart. I mean, I, I you know, I hear people complain about Siri a lot, but I don't find them that great.
2: That's that's what I'm sort of because like again, Alexa tries to be nice to you. Like it says have a good night sometimes and you know it's a robot, so it's like it can be agitating or it can be nice depending on your mood. I do actually not again I wanna break your tips here, Matt, but the idea of a vocal interface to the quality of chat GPT. I think that's Star Trek, right? That that's that's when you're on you know computer
0: doing this for me. You know, so Of course. That's gonna be crazy. Like I am not polite to my Google speaker. I'm screaming at my Google speaker because it's not, you know, it's like now I, I mean anyone's got Google speakers, like it they're so not smart. And they just I have so much stuff that I do not like.
1: I would rather be polite to our AI overlords before they take over and I think they'll remember. I think they'll remember who is polite.
2: I agree what Andrew says. I think AI is great for humans and I am all for it. <laughs> Matt, I suggest you stop abusing your Google device. It's not I nice. I don't think he
0: cares. We're not friends. <laughs> Guys, let's give us uh, two more. We're just going on a whim here, okay? Because we made this five cool things you could do with ChatGPT. I give you three. Write code, tell stories, life advice. What do you guys got? I love the aspect that this, I immediately have added an
1: assistant, uh, another team member to my organization that immediately makes myself and my other team members more efficient, more productive. I'm, I'm going through a scalability problem in my organization. I have more work coming my way than I can handle. So I'm constantly looking for ways to improve efficiency in my workflows and be able to deliver top-notch uh, services to my clients because they come to me because they want above average results, right? They don't want media average results. They want above average results. I have a track record of doing that, but I have, it, it's very high touch when you're providing done for you services for people. It's extremely high touch. And, and in some cases it can be very time consuming. So ChatGPT, number four, an assistant, an immediately valuable assistant to my organization that improves our productivity.
2: You know, I, I have two, I don't, maybe one and a half. I think one of the best uses, and frankly, Matt, you've already said it at the start of this uh, podcast, is the idea of adding data points to content. Because I used to have this formula from writing blog posts where I would open with a story from my own life. And to your point previously, Matt, that's the part that AI can't really right? Yeah, because I lived it and it's me hooking the, the reader. You know, it could be just how I made money from something or how I solved the problem within my company or even something completely out of context of business, which I then would tie back into my business. Like I saw the latest Marvel movie and they made this choice. So I would tell that story for like half the article. And then the second half I would always switch into like a teaching mode. So, uh, you know, the three things you can take away from this to apply to your business. And what I was gave those articles that final extra push to go from good to great was referencing research, often some kind of psychological data point where you could say, this is not just me saying that. This is not just me living it. This is what the researchers found from the study they did at yada yada university that backs up this human behavior and why it works. So I think that was like a three, sort of a three point, actually it was a four point. It was story, lesson, back it up with research and finally was a call to action at the end, you know, join your email list, buy my product. So many of my blog posts were written with that formula, but the annoying part was I was finding the research data points to, to back it up. So I think that's one of the greatest things if we can rely on the sourcing of, of the AI, where are they pulling this data from And
0: You could always ask where it's getting it, yeah.
2: Well, it should be something you don't need to ask for. I think this is coming, like they're talking about getting sued at the moment where it just needs a bibliography, you know, when you get this question, here's where I pulled the little yeah. thing the end. It's already happening in some ways. Uh, having a friend, if you don't have one. Um, I think a lot of people are, who are in old people's homes, they're actually introducing some kind of interface where they can talk to an AI. And you know I don't know the context, but when you're lonely and maybe you don't even understand it's an AI or you, you're not like, it's a computer. I'm talking to the computer. It's okay. You know, giving an opportunity for people to have someone just to talk about their day it makes a big difference i personally don't think i would use it for that but that's powerful
1: you nailed it man that really is a huge like have you have you guys ever seen that joaquin phoenix movie her
2: i love her a uh, great movie
1: it's a fantastic movie like that's what we're talking about here aren't we like that's yeah a lonely person yeah who is just looking to experience some connection. And but yeah, you nailed it, man. There's a lot of lonely people out there. Hell yeah.
2: That idea of having the the earbud where I could be talking to my AI throughout the entire day and forming a relationship with it, that's, I could. I mean, it's almost at the level now because look at you guys, you're writing please and thank you to it. You know, like it's it's got like feelings.
0: <laughs> you're right. Because over time, as it like kind of can get to know you, because now every chat, it's like has context, right? You don't have to keep, referencing your first question, right? You could just like do you know whatever. You get the idea, right? But imagine like the whole relationship with your collective experience of with it. Yeah, yeah. It like kind of get no know, it knows what you do for work. It knows what you like to eat. It knows, you know, all these sort kind of things. So when you ask the question, it's contextual to you. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy.
2: Can you imagine like it asks you how, how was your day, Matt? And it knows you had a break up the previous day. How are you feeling after that yesterday? You know?
0: Or it knows it looks at your calendar. It knows what you're up to, right? It could and hear you talking like this whole conversation knows everything you talked about on the day.
2: It's actually scary a little bit.
0: <laughs> it is, especially when it comes to you know, your data leaking, right? Because what happens when this chat knows you more than anyone? And then what happens when, who knows? One day you're in you see yourself in court in 10 years from now, and they're like, Well, let's ask its chat, you know, how this person's thinking. Because
1: they won't forget. Yeah, your our, our memories aren't perfect, but our AI, our personal assistant, yeah, you have when you're born and, and is with you all the way until the day you die it will never, never forget anything that you, you've ever experienced. I would, I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have the best memory in the world. And sometimes I get those questions and I'm like, Oh shit. what What, what is today, honey? I don't, <laughs> I I need to, I need a little reminder. What is, why, why is today so important? So yeah.
2: <laughs> I can see this becoming a Black Mirror episode. Yeah. yeah, someone hacks your your AI memories to say that you on that day you murdered someone, and you're like, I don't, I didn't do that. Well, the AI said you did, and it's a perfect memory of your life. So
1: that is a scary thought. That's a very scary thought.
2: Yeah, yeah, that'd be crazy. All right, guys, I got a big question for you. So we
0: know that uh, ChatGPT has been kind of crashing. It got what was it like 10 million users in 10 days or something like that. You know, it's like uh, they're they're having scalability issues.
1: It's the fastest platform to ever reach 1 million users. I know that. Right. I don't remember what the stat is, but it's the fastest to a million.
0: As soon as I started using it, I thought about this. I'm like, if this was a paid service, what would I pay for this? And uh, I know like the average person who's like, you know, just asking it around. stuff, like replacing Google, maybe not a lot. But for people, for us, using it more for like business and stuff, you know, I'm just curious. What do you guys think your number is? If this was, if they said, okay, no longer free, now you got to pay. What do you think you would pay to keep ChatGPT as a tool in your pocket? I'm comfortable with like
1: 25 bucks a month when I'm looking at all the other software tools that I'm paying for at my at my company and there's a lot of them. I'm like, yeah, 25 bucks, 30 bucks a month, a buck a day, dollar a day.
0: Really? Interesting.
1: Why, you think that's low or high? I think it's low. You think it's low? What do you think,
2: Aro? I mean, this is end use case value question for me like what am i actually using it for and and uh what's the value of that outcome right now i don't at all like i only play with it for fun now and then
0: oh really okay okay
2: and have conversations with friends like i don't create any content with it i'm actually quite behind the scenes in my company now so I have writers we hire for SEO content and they could be using it. I mean, that's the thing. They could be augmenting the the writing they do for us with, with ChatGPT, but I don't mind because that's the outcome. We want the outcome. I, I mean, I think just thinking about it as a general tool, I agree with Andrew. 25 bucks is sort of where I could see it being useful. But again, if, you know, there could be the business account where if I was running an entire business on, you know, like if half my Inboxdone.com email management company was driven by AI email replies. We're probably paying a license fee for every single client we have to use it for them. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how big it gets then. It's that's like a, you know, like a sales force. We use how many seats on the, on the table for that tool. I think it's gonna be so dynamic because it's the interaction you have with it. It will be so open. Like I can't think of any other tool where there's so many different types of uses for it. It's not just a business tool. It's it's an everything in life tool, potentially, you know?
0: You know when you look at like SEO research tools like Ahrefs, SEMrush, you know, that sort of stuff? You know, they're very pricey. You know, if you really want to get into it, use it. You know, you're looking at like, you know, 500 bucks a month. You know, that sort of thing. Honestly, I look at this and like I would easy pay a hundred bucks a month for it. No, no question. But honestly, if it was five hundred bucks a month, I would still pay for it. Even at a thousand dollars, I would pay for it.
2: Right now, you would pay for five hundred dollars a month for it?
0: Yeah. I have it open all day. While I'm working, I'm constantly on it. Oh, I don't use it that much. But the problem is that it's getting slow, it keeps crashing. I would just pay right now. If they just said 100 bucks and it just doesn't crash and you just log into it all the time it would just boom i would just pay it just the problem right now it's like before it was very fast it was like boom 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 i was like wow 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 right now i keep hitting limits i made multiple accounts just so i can keep using it yeah i would like easily 100 dollars. here's a question for you guys because this is one of the questions that uh,
1: the waitlist asks you if they a- added a-, a monthly figure And it it actually made you think, oh, this must be no good. This must be a really terrible product because they're asking so little. Like, what would that number be for you?
2: As in it's too cheap? Like you're thinking.
1: It's so cheap. At that value, you assume this can't be very good because it's it's like if it was really valuable, they would be asking for more. So what what number would that be for you?
0: It's hard to say because if they have like ten million users and they just charge like, you know, three bucks a month. Hell yeah. That's still significant revenue, right? But I saw some people posting screenshots of some pages on their website that were showing the potential pricing. And I think it was gonna start at like eight dollars a month. So they are looking mass market. I didn't hear that at all. I just I don't know if it was even real. I just saw some posting like people like, Oh, they're gonna pay. Oh wow, okay. I'm excited to pay. I'm excited. So they're tr- they're trying to make it available to everybody then, yeah. Yaro's point, like
1: they're like I don't know how they they might end up having a tiered system, but like if I had like one account that I could share for my company You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they would even allow for something like that or because I would want all my team specific team members in my organization to have access to use it for work reasons. Right. That might be like like a licensing account where it's like you have you buy so many tokens and you can get do so many searches with those tokens. And then once those tokens are out, you have to buy more tokens or maybe
0: it is a flat monthly rate. I really don't like the token. I hate all these GPT three softwares that use credits. I hate it because I put in a query, it okay. doesn't give me what I want. I got to re a question, takes another credit, and then I just run out of credits, right. because, you know, like, and I, I do not, I just want to just be free to just ask. And a flat monthly rate. Yeah, don't, I don't want to do this credit stuff.
2: Well, then let's continue that discussion. What is the most likely use case across the entire population of the planet for this? If we take, say, most people use Google to solve a search query Google monetizes with ads, if ChatGPT wants to be for everyone, they have to solve that most common use case first. What is that?
0: I see most people talking about copywriting. Um, GPT3, all about copywriting. So I'm a copywriter, and so yeah. that's why it's so valuable to me.
2: Yeah, but most people aren't copywriters, right? So That's right, that's right. And most people aren't business owners. Maybe we should ask our producer, we could bring her in for the last question. What? What's the...
0: <laughs> so we got we got jay is our our new producer and he's been taking notes while we're talking here all right jay what what do you think
2: what's the most general broad the entire planet population use for chat gpt or an ai the most common yeah matt's a copywriter so he loves it but not most people are not copywriters so they don't care but most people do use google if they use the internet because they're trying to solve problems so i'm like Do you think people will use it as a search engine? Is that the most general use case for the entire planet to use it? I don't know.
3: I've used it personally, again, like listening to you guys for so many different reasons. Whether you're a business owner using it for personal reasons, again, like for advice purposes, for illustrating purpose, I think every single person can benefit from using this. I can't really answer and say like what specific type of person would benefit from using it i think everybody can
2: try to think about your mom or your dad i always think like people aren't living in tech maybe what how would they use it you know
3: i i don't know who knows it might be like a a device one day right like think of like a google device or an alexa device something like that where you can just ask it anything it can help point things out to you again we were talking earlier about your relationship with ai how it gets to know you things like that and very creepy of course but you know it could potentially just be be that as well if there's I don't see how it can be capped, like, what this could be used for.
2: It's funny because that's what Alexa is supposed to be. You're supposed to be able to ask it almost anything. I don't know why it's sort of stopped and hasn't become as good as a, a GPT.
3: I've not really used it a lot personally myself but I think that it's always held back or like failed somehow to provide me even something simple like a song or yep. listen for like, it's never been useful very much to me.
2: Yeah, I agree. I just ask it the weather all the time. That's all we ever do.
3: Big price to pay to ask for a weather.
0: Two things. One, I asked ChatGPT. ChatGPT believes that the most common use case is for chat bots for customer service, e-commerce, and healthcare, which is interesting. I just Googled the question and they're suggesting one of the top use cases being answering questions, basically an alternative to Google search, developing apps, so code, copywriting, such as funny dialogue, composing emails, creating recipes for food, that's what they have here as some of the most common use cases. It is interesting, I guess you're right. Like if you're looking at mass market, they're not going to pay like what I would pay hundred bucks, right? An alternative to Google, let's just say, let's just pretend that that's going to be the most common use case, just Google, but gives you the answer. You don't have to go click and look at anything, right? Yeah. It's immediate, you get the right, you know? It just looks at the whole query, gives you the best answer. And for something like that, I mean, you know, how many people are willing to pay for Google? How many people are using Google every single day?
2: My guess is this is going to play out when you sign up for it as a tool. It's going to say, this is free if you allow us to use your data. This is not free if you don't want us to use your data. Simple as that. Because think of all the data they can get. From harvesting the you know everything we ask.
0: I don't know about that. I see like with Microsoft putting in all the money they're putting in. They said they're going to integrate it with you know Word and and Office, every, all the everything, right?
2: Yeah. Let me take a step back then. If Microsoft owns it different story because microsoft has billions of dollars in other income streams so it doesn't need to make money necessarily from it directly anyway from consumers
0: they just want to overtake google so if they just start offering it inside products right like if it's like in word i don't use word online i don't even have that but like imagine like they make Google Docs, but it's better. Now Now it's like, I could just, if I want to use ChatGPT, uh, you know, instead of using Google Docs, I got to use Microsoft Word. I'm switching. But I'm sure Google is going to have something similar.
2: Yeah. What, what's interesting though, is Matt, you're a good example. You've probably replaced some of your habitual Google search behavior with ChatGPT. And that's the key thing. If you're forcing a habit change to a different resource than Google, then of course, Microsoft wants to, Like the only way to crack Google. It's been so hard to do that for the last 20 years, right? So yeah, that's the thing I think is interesting. Habit change. Because right now, most people still go to Google for most things.
0: What's going to be the acronym? Like, you know, you say Google it. Or what are we going to say now? GPT it? <laughs> AI it?
2: Well, how did her work? In the movie, you just gave it a name, right? So it would be like Jenny or... Tim or whatever you want to call your, your AI, right?
1: Yeah, he just had a name for her.
2: Yeah, right at the start, I think, you know, what do you want to call me? And he's like, I don't know. And she's like, well, what about whatever she said? And he was like, okay, that sounds good. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Probably it'll be AI or, or...
1: Jarvis. Yeah. I really want to name my AI Jarvis. I don't,
0: I don't
2: care. Yeah, but that's a copywriting tool already. <laughs>
0: you know the story about Jasper, right? The, I don't know why they're like the number one, GPT-3 AI tool, whatever, right? I think they're all sort of the same to me but they were originally called Jarvis and then uh, oh, really? Disney yeah, Disney went after them because um, they're like, you can't call Jarvis. That's our
2: Disney. Yeah. Yeah. They had to change their name to Jasper. Disney owns the copyright for that. I guess so. Is that because of Iron Man? That's the reason why they own Jarvis. Yeah. I didn't know that would be a trademark though. I don't think that you could trade back a name like that. I don't know. Maybe because they
0: were trying to play on a character that was developed in the IP. I don't know the whole story, but I, that is a
2: true thing. Like I, I, What if it was called Matt and then they wanted to call it Matt or something and would they go after you?
1: Because like last I checked, Jarvis is still a name. Like you can't, you know, like if you want to
0: name your child Jarvis. No, no, no. Like let's say if I want to create a soap store and I call it Apple.
2: Yeah. So if it's a similar purpose, right?
0: Yeah. If I want to create a computer company, no way I can call it Apple, right? That's how trademarks work, right? And Jarvis is
2: a chat AI ultimately, right? That's what on Iron Man, it's basically an interface computer so it's kind of what
0: yeah it's an ai so there's like there's a lot of money behind gpt3 type tools and now if they start integrating chat gpt i guess that also creates a fair market because it's like kind of open source right so i guess i could not charge like $300, $500 per month because it's open source and then somebody else can just use it. I, I'm assuming here, right? I can create my own tool and then charge you 5 bucks a month. And I think that might put a cap.
2: You know, Sid created a competitor and he was venture backed as well.
0: Was he? I don't know how much did he raise.
2: He was venture backed and he had to fold because he was beaten, well, not beaten, but there was one other one that was winning Copy AI. I think that's what it's called.
0: Yeah, well, it's Copy AI, right Sonic. These were like, and then Jarvis I saw or like Jasper now. For some reason, Jasper is like winning. But yeah. there was a lot of them coming out on, on AppSumo last year, right? And as soon as I heard about it, I was like, oh, I'm going to use this. But what I found was when I was trying to write copy using GPT-3, it was just you know, taking so long to fix it right? It was not that good. So I was like, this is all garbage, right? It's gibberish, right? So then I would just, it was really good for writing social posts. Sorry, you said you got gibberish from Chat GD, GPT or gibberish from Jasper? GPT3.
2: Was it GPT3 or probably GPT2 or something? One of the earlier versions, I would guess.
0: No, no, it's GPT3. So what you would happen is like, if you're trying to write like a blog post or a script or like something like that, it's just dumb. But for social media posts, if you want the caption, like I was like, I wanted inspirational quotes for women leadership or something like that that right i was doing this for like a client i was able within like half an hour to get like 50 captions for social media posts so then we pair that up with like a picture of the person put the picture little caption get some hashtags and that was like the best use case i found for for gpd3 people were trying to write ads with it all that kind of stuff to me i don't think that there was you could tell like i even have copywriters from the philippines that were like writing stuff for me i could completely tell when they're using gpd3 right because it's just The language is like, it's kind of like the reason, the way that Google is figuring out just kind of becomes gibberish, right? Like you read it and like it sounds like the words, like it sounds like you're smart, but like you read it and you're like, that makes no sense.
2: Yeah. And often uh, I can even tell like YouTube videos are getting like this. You'll you'll see like a, a script that's been paired with stock video footage to kind of create a video and it's like the top 10, you know, movie stars of the 1980s. And you can tell it's an AI script, AI or stock video footage and just put together probably, well, Ma- Ma- Andrew, you probably know all about it. So
1: yeah, there, there's a term for that. People like to refer to them as cash cow YouTube channels, because they're no face, no voice channels, right? You don't have to put your name or your face or your or anything on there, you know, combine all of these different tools and you're able to spit out these videos. I personally don't know how those channels get off the ground
2: how do they rank that's what i want to know yeah I
1: don't, I don't find those videos enjoyable at all i if i find myself in one of them i click out because i'm like no this is dumb
2: i agree maybe it's like a, a long tail thing though there's just not that many like they pick something a little bit obscure there's not many other videos about it